This is the Software and Technology Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. The more diversity of thought of the people working at tech companies, the better. The blockchain idea was around 91, the same idea of in the digital world, we need verifiable documents. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Market Scale Software and Technology Podcast. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the show. We have a huge show lined up for you today. I think it's going to be a lot of very, very interesting content, and some of it revolving around artificial intelligence, AI. And our first feature of the day is going to be with Ben Taylor, the Chief AI Officer for Ziff AI. And he performed a little experiment over Christmas and wrote an article about it on LinkedIn that was really interesting and I think really enlightening and might help chart the future a little bit of what artificial intelligence can really do in the future. Now, he set up some cameras in his home that then recorded what his children were doing and used artificial intelligence to try to determine whether or not what the child was doing was a good thing or a bad thing. So if they were, you know, stealing cookies out of the cabinet or out of the cookie jar when they knew they weren't supposed to, AI was able to 84% of the time correctly label whether or not their conduct was naughty or nice. Now, this could hold some pretty large ramifications in the real world when you consider it. Can a security cam focused on the door of an establishment tell you know whether or not let's say uh, every employee uses their key card to get in every day and then somebody comes up and jiggles the handle is that enough to for ai to look at that and say that person might have or does have nefarious purposes for what they're doing so certainly an interesting idea and i always think about the movie minority report when it comes to predicting the motives behind what people do obviously if you haven't seen the movie it's a tom cruise movie where Uh, far in the future, people are able to predict murders before they actually happen. And I won't ruin the movie for any of you that haven't seen it, but every time there's something along these lines where it's artificial intelligence trying to predict the motives of something that somebody does, it kind of reminds me of that movie. And I kind of begin to consider the pros and the cons of these ideas. So certainly an interesting concept to me uh, when it comes to behavioral analysis by artificial intelligence. Definitely going to be an interesting conversation. That's going to be a conversation that our host Daniel Litwin has with Ben Taylor. Again, he's the chief AI officer at Ziff AI. Our second feature of the day is going to be a conversation with our chief digital editor here at MarketScale, Jeff Short. And it's going to be a conversation about a piece that was posted on our software and technology vertical on the MarketScale website that talks about one of the big crises that is facing the cybersecurity industry. And that's really a crisis of not having enough people and not enough people being trained in this particular field to fill the growing need and the growing demand for people that can be cybersecurity professionals. And so it's going to be a really interesting conversation diving into a lot about education and also about hiring practices and things along those lines in the industry. So it's going to be a conversation between Daniel Litwin and our chief digital editor here at MarketScale, Jeff Short, that you're not going to want to miss because it really dives into something that is at the heart of the industry. days and that is the ability to hire new people uh, for these positions so that's going to be a really good conversation coming up on our second feature of the day but before we get to that let's get to that first feature of the day it's a conversation between daniel litwin and ben taylor of ziff ai coming up next here on the market scale software and technology podcast
All right, we're rejoined by Ben Taylor, Chief AI Officer of Ziff AI. Ben has been on our software and technology podcast several times before. He did a mini-series on bringing AI to your business. We broke down why it's useful, what the most common pitfalls are, how you can convince data scientists to get on board, how you can convince executives to get on board. It was a great conversation. I'll link to it in the bottom uh, of the description here. But for this chunk, we're actually just going to dissect an article of Ben Taylor's. And Ben is very active on LinkedIn. He's always posting solid content. Sometimes it's short blurbs, sometimes it's videos. But most frequently, it's blogs. And the one that really caught my eye is called Deep Christmas. AI knows if you are naughty or nice. Um, I know we're past the holiday season, but definitely the insight that you get from this article is fun and also very actionable for not only your home, but your business. And I'm excited to get Ben's insight on it. Ben, great to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. Yeah, that was probably my longest intro of you ever. Uh, We've done so much content together now, it's just going to keep getting longer. That's good. (laughs) I'm definitely not complaining. So, Ben, this article, Deep Christmas, AI knows if you're naughty or nice, uh, what even spurred the idea of, okay, let's have AI try to detect if there is naughty behavior or nice behavior? Um, I feel like detecting bad actors is not um, something that's particularly foreign to AI, but maybe there is um, some specifications on the back end that change. So fill our audience in. What what sort of spurred this, uh, this article? Yeah, so um, video surveillance is something we've been working on for a while, and a lot of people have been excited about video surveillance in general because there's a lot of information But the problem with video surveillance is most of it is not actionable. It's actually overwhelming. So you need a human sitting looking at kind of a a monitoring queue where they're they're trying to look at all these video feeds simultaneously. So one of of the things I was dealing with personally is we have a four-year-old that is very, very active, much more than our the other kids that we've had, where he'll he'll create these unbelievable messes. And I posted some of I posted a photo and in the blog where you can see one of these messes where it's milk and eggs all over the floor. And when you find these types of things, this isn't an instant thing. It takes a while for him to do this. And he's taken all the spices out of our spice cabinet and uh, cupboard and put them in a, in a bowl, mix them all together. So he's, he's done different things like that where when you find out about it, it's, it's a big deal. It's, an hour of your time or it's a significant amount of money. And so that, that was kind of something personally that was interesting. The fun thing with this article is it actually has, um, surprisingly, there was kind of a, a nerd or geek trivia connection. So there's a cartoon called Futurama where there is a robot Santa Claus and he decides that everyone is naughty. <laughs> and then goes on a, on a murderous spree. Yeah. So if you look at the <laughs> if you look at the the actual graphic that we have at the top, that was coming from our design director, and it it definitely looks like the Futurama uh, evil Santa Claus. Um, and so the the main point of this was to demonstrate how you can manage a very complicated video feed um, and get it closer to something that's useful. So for this setup, we had seven video cameras. For the one of interest, we just focused on one, but potentially you could apply this across. Um, 
10 cameras, 100 cameras, 1,000 cameras uh, to comprehend actionable events. Right. So what defines that actionable event? Um, how does the AI begin to discern between um, you know, just frequency for another reason and frequency that could potentially be harmful or frequency that could um, potentially be devious? Yeah, so the, the issue is you definitely need to start collecting um, a labeled set. So that's where you have a video event. So I'm using the Amazon Ring, and the video events are a minute long, typically. So you need to have these video events labeled where you know what the outcome was from right. the event. And so starting out, that can be a little labor-intensive where you are reviewing, you're organizing. You can also do something where you don't have any labels and you're just looking for outlier events. Um, so kind of understanding whether or not something is expected behavior or normal behavior. Right. Um, and so that's another way you can catch these types of events where they flag as being having very different types of behavior. And I think one last point to throw in there, when you are dealing with video, there's two ways to deal with it. So one way uh, we call that frame level understanding, where think of if you, have, if you have a gun detector in an airport, you're literally firing every single frame in the video and you're making a prediction on whether or not there's a gun. Um, another way to do it is you actually predict on, um, we call it a temporal prediction, where the AI has to comprehend some sense of spatial activity related to time. So think of someone going to my fridge. That's not that concerning. But if you're right. doing multiple trips to the fridge, which happens during these naughty episodes, that that can't be detected with a single frame classifier. You need to understand the temporal activity. Yeah, and that brings up, I think, difficulty in you know how do you begin to discern motivation through AI? Um, and I feel like when you like, I think this was a great experiment to start with because you are monitoring your know, children in the kitchen, um, checking to see, you know, are they grabbing the cookies? Are they um, going to knock over the big jug of milk? It's a little more simplistic, but I think when you get to, let's say, putting this application uh, in place for a business, so you're guarding several entrances um, and you have AI detecting if someone that comes up to the door is potentially a bad actor, um, you know, how do you begin to discern that motivation? So what would you say is the next step for this naughty or nice idea if it was applied on a larger scale? Um, how do you begin to fine-tune the naughtiness uh, and really get down to those specific instances of danger? Yeah, well, that so you, I, I love the the danger piece that you bring up because the naughtiness is really not dangerous it's just a mess but right. there are so many things that can happen in in your home or in a business setting where they they are very dangerous so we actually had um, a, a community tragedy that happened where uh, someone in the community they had a child that was strangled by a, a blind cord so just playing playing with the blinds the three-year-old was strangled and apparently this is actually a common thing. I, I didn't realize this. this. This happens a lot. Kids, they'll, they'll die in a home uh, with these types of hazards that we don't really think about. And then you have classic ones like a child 
um, getting a knife from the kitchen or something like that. And the really exciting thing that I think we're, we're, we're kind of at this transition point in 2019 where we are definitely moving in this direction just as kind of from a technology front. Once you, once you get this level of automation and insight, you will – and it's really moving away from the false positives because no one wants false positives. So if you have a ring system today, your phone goes off all day long with useless information. Um, you know, the garbage truck coming, a visitor coming, all of the stuff you don't need to know about. And so the, the main, the main crux of this is actionable AI and, um, actionable review or reactions to this, um, video data. And you need AI to do that. So I guess to wrap up that train of thought, it's, there are so many things to predict and, you know, this example is starting small. We're showing one thing. From the audio that we collect as well, you could detect fighting, screaming, yelling, um, distress. There, there's a laundry list of things to predict, and we'll we'll definitely move in that direction. Right. Yeah. I mean, I could see programming the AI to, like, let's say you're guarding an outside entrance for your company building, and most people use the key card to get in, um, but then you have someone come and jiggle the handle, right? You could have the AI detect, okay, if you have a human come up to the door and not go first for the key card, but first go for the door, that is a sign of, hmm, something's a little off here, right? And then building off of those data sets, you could potentially find most, if not all, instances of when someone trying to get into your office building or someone, you know, bouncing from door to door to see which one's open, you can begin to detect, okay, this person is trying to break in or this person might be a danger to the facility. Um, that doesn't seem like that far away from what, uh, from this naughty or nice Christmas uh, experiment, right? Um, no, it's not. And that's that's also something that's very exciting for society where, you you breaking into my car at night and stealing something today that's actually pretty easy to get away with but in the future that will be almost impossible um or the other thing that comes up a lot of times we focus on single home security but when you really crack these ai systems you now have the opportunity to or community security where imagine if you are looking for a backyard opportunity to break into a home you coming to my house may or may not seem that suspicious, but you walking down the street, the way you're walking and the way you're pausing and the way you're kind of scoping the neighborhood, that would, all of those systems would communicate together to realize that this is suspicious activity and they could alert a, a cop to come out and just patrol or ask you questions or identify race, gender, age, and everything about you. Well, I love that y'all put this experiment on. Um, not only is it just entertaining to see milk spilled all over the kitchen floor, but the grander scheme of things that this could really be used in schools, in businesses, um, and in individual homes, uh, that AI can detect bad actors like this, and it's inching closer. I know in the article it mentions that before 2018, this kind of solution would have been very challenging. And so the fact that we've found a way to uh, create this solution in a matter of just about a year. And now the uh, options seem limitless instead of, you know, just tinkering with the idea 
it just goes to show things are evolving quickly. So it's um, it's definitely a good time to be doing some fun experiments in AI because often, and I'm sure you know this, you find some actionable insight with those fun experiments. Yeah, and there's um, a few, I guess some points to kind of reiterate or point out is a big win from this, even for the naughty piece, is it comes down to response time. So right now my response time is really random. It's just whenever I happen to come back into the scene. But when it comes to lone wolf terrorism, a shooting at an airport or at a school or a football game or something, uh, response time is, is a big deal. And I know with humans today, uh, with the Las Vegas shooting, the response time was 10 minutes, I think. Um, but in the future, you'll be looking at sub-minute response times where you've got a drone that's notified and it's... Um, and, and I think that's a huge deal because being human is, uh, we tend to be emotional and, it, you know, we want to survive. And if there's something like that, if we're dealing with uh, a security threat like a shooting, there's a massive amount of confusion. People running, people are yelling, you don't know what's going on, where the AI has no, the, the AI has no concern or um, the AI is not going to react emotionally to that. So. It can really help first responders and maybe um, hopefully in the future, I, I'd love to see this sooner, but in the next 10 to 20 years have automated responders where you've got a drone that's reacting to a school shooting. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like sci-fi material, but I've come to learn that often the stuff that feels most sci-fi is already being produced, already being created and implemented. So it's definitely an exciting time for AI. And I'm always looking forward to the next project that Ben Taylor and the Ziff AI team put together because not only are they entertaining, but there's always something insightful to pull from that entertainment. So Ben, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and breaking down this article for us. We'll definitely be in touch again soon to break down another one. Okay, sounds good. Thank you to our host, Daniel Litwin, for that conversation there. And thank you to Ben Taylor for joining us on the podcast today. I always really appreciate his insight, and I thought that that was incredibly fascinating, uh, that topic there. I'm very curious to see where this continues to go in the future. All right, coming up next, Daniel Litwin sits down with our chief digital editor here at MarketScale, Jeff Short, and they're going to chat about one of the big problems facing the cybersecurity industry. It's a crisis, some would say, and that is the ability to hire people. Are enough people being hired uh, and, and trained for these particular positions as more and more people are requiring cybersecurity? We're seeing gigantic hacks and data breaches and those kind of things all over the place, but are we training enough people and is are we evangelizing that field quite enough? You know, it's a, it's a field that can be fairly lucrative and it's an exciting emerging field but for some reason uh, the word is not getting out about the excitement that is going on in the industry and so that's really a problem right now is there aren't enough people available to be hired for these jobs to fill the different needs and so that's a conversation that's going to come up next here on the Market Scale Software and Technology Podcast. All right, so we're rejoined in the studio by Mr. Jeffrey Short. Jeff is our 
chief digital editor for written content here at MarketScale. And I wanted to get Jeff in the studio to chat a little bit more about this article on really an issue. And it was framed very well in the title, a crisis. We're being dramatic here. A crisis <laughs> for the cybersecurity industry. Jeff, great to have you in here. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me in. I'm uh, happy to be back in the studio. Absolutely. It's been a kind of a hot minute, actually, since we've chatted on the podcast, but I figured it was time to get your insight because this concept is something that isn't talked about a lot and the fact that there is a shortage of jobs within the cybersecurity industry. You would think computer science, data science, anything that's got to do with code and with uh, you know putting smart minds to and behind the computer, well, that is one of the leading industries today. So the fact that cybersecurity, which is sort of in that world, but sort of not also, is actually seeing a, a very harsh issue with staffing those jobs. So Jeff, why don't you just give us a basic rundown on this article and some insights that you learned from from what Beth McIlrath wrote on here? Yeah. So I mean, among all the categories that we cover, I think it's pretty universal. So every everyone is talking about how can I streamline processes? Can I get things on the cloud? How can I digitize? How can I automate? And for consumers, that's always pretty much a good thing. I mean, it has really made life easier um, for a lot of people. But at the same time, every once in a while, you hear these big, big news stories of, of cyber attacks, hacking, uh, rearing its ugly head on some major companies and data breaches. And I think sometimes people go numb to that, but that's really concerning. Um, and this article really dives into the fact that we have a shortage of about 3 million cybersecurity professionals right now. And in the next two, three years, it's only expected to get up to about 3.5 million. That's kind of the estimate. Right. Um, so that's pretty alarming um, across the board for a lot of different industries. And it's something that now finally people are saying, okay, we need to maybe train people better. Or uh, I know one concern was that um, colleges had not really advertised this career as a fulfilling, really sexy career. But I mean, right. it's obviously, uh, you know, profession that's in demand, it's lucrative. So um, we'll see if that is a direction uh, that this crisis is solved in. Right. Well, and I guess part of it too is just the core of the IT world right now. So your your 30 pluses, they didn't even have access to a cybersecurity degree while they were in school. So you have a trained group of professionals that probably wants to be doing work like this, but they don't have the knowledge. And what the cybersecurity industry needs now is people that, you know, they can devote their whole career, their whole attention to just cybersecurity. And if that's just part of your generalist sort of tool set and not a specialized part of what you've learned, then you're probably not going to last at the job very long. It's going to be stressful. And there's just not a lot of incentive to make that leap into the cybersecurity world. Right. And like you said, it's in the grand scheme of things, this is a very new profession, a very new industry. Right. Um, you know, it seems like it's been around for a while, but in the life of a generation, it really hasn't. Um, it's kind of reminiscent to me about when the car was invented and you have this Weird era where, okay, well, we don't have rules for the road. Right. So we have cars, but we don't know how to keep people safe. We don't right. know how this works. You can't, you know, we don't even have roads that are suitable for cars. So I think it's almost like we're in that kind of uh, era, except for this can really touch 
millions, if not the entire world, uh, these security hacks. And so what you're seeing right now to sort of hemorrhage this gap before maybe more university trained professionals come along is uh, using military personnel. So these are the people that have actually had really practical and uh, useful experiences. So those people are able to find jobs, which is obviously tremendous. But like we've seen, it's not enough right now. There's still 3 million empty positions for people that pretty much simply just don't exist right now. So um, you would expect to see an emphasis um, across universities to uh, increase their programs and people making donations to uh, get these programs up and running at certain colleges. Right. Well, and the problem, too, is I don't think these colleges are doing a very fantastic job of marketing, like you said, the idea that a job in cybersecurity can be sexy, right? I mean, and but even then, like, do you even have to gloss it up that much? A lot of people flock to trade industries. And I mean, yes, we're seeing a general like labor shortage, but people still find passion in going into the pro AV industry or going into the AEC industry, having a hands-on job that isn't maybe the most famous or sexy with quotes job, but they still like it. They still do it and they find um, daily passion in it. But for some reason, we're not seeing that same thing for cybersecurity. A, a job that when you really think about it has a lot of sexy elements. I mean, you are, you are at a cutting edge sect of the technology world. You're providing safety for crucial data. You might even find jobs working with local, state, federal governments, with large corporations that have very intricate systems that they need um, protected. So the, the intrigue is there, but I don't think the universities are doing necessarily a good enough job of pulling students in. And the reason why, I guess, is, is kind of up in the air. Yeah, and I do think as time goes on, we will see a big shift in interest in this. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of demand, and that means probably higher wages for these positions. But uh, right now, you know, what you were kind of saying is they need to increase our sales pitch, but do they have anyone to sell to right now? Right. We just don't have the people. So I think over the next couple of years, and you look at any list really of you know, the jobs of the future or, you know, what are the jobs that people should be looking for in the next five years? They're almost all in this sort of IT, digital security, cloud uh, sphere. So I do think there will be interest among younger generations that are kind of coming through the ranks. And it will be up to universities more or less to make sure that that does happen. And uh, I mean, you can't really let this problem get any worse because it's already, like we said, a crisis. So um, the more headlines that are made by major companies getting hacked, I think you will see this kind of job uh, be put even more to the forefront going forward. Yeah, and I mean, let's keep digging into the education side of this because I think universities or professional institutions aren't necessarily the only ones at fault. When you think of, you know, maybe if there was an issue here and companies needed valuable talent, they could provide the education themselves. But a lot of times you get companies that are providing cybersecurity education and it's too product focused or it's too black box solution, right? You're you're training them on your product, on your thing, how are they necessarily going to take that information and maybe get to another job down the road, which I guess is the point, right? You want your employee retention, you want them to to know what you do and maybe just that, but that's not sustainable. The cybersecurity industry needs to grow and to do that, you need people that are passionate, you need people that know the industry front and back, that understand security frameworks, not just 
one system. Um, how do you expect to see growth without that? Yeah, it's a great uh, <clears throat> proposition that you just brought up there. So, I mean, that obviously stems from the universities. They need to create programs that are going to be, you know, sustainable yeah. and just suitable for opportunities that are not just with one company, I guess, that right. translate. Um, and then also just sort of in the companies themselves, they need to design products that are going to have these kind of safeguards. So when we were actually at NRF, the big retail show mm -hmm. uh, in the beginning of January, we were talking about uh, kind of connected point of sale systems. So people can sort of have accounts basically in the cloud. Um, and it's okay to have that. It's great to have that. It makes shopping way easier. But you need to have a system in place, a software that can also safeguard against attack. So we'll see companies, I think, kind of keep that in mind as they're designing products. I think in the past, they kind of designed a product and they would sort of uh, farm out the software right. or a service that would protect them. And now I think they're going to invest in their own sort of services that come with that product. So it's all consolidated um, and hopefully safer. And maybe that can mitigate uh, a little bit of this worker shortage, but um, you're still going to need people that are going to run and update those softwares because uh, the hackers are not going to you know, just try to stop <laughs> right. figuring out ways to get in there. So right. um, it's going to be an ever-evolving process. Yeah, the hackers don't quit that easy, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm glad you also brought up just the fact that we need to be bolstering the people within the industry already. We need to be bolstering the people that are trying to enter the industry and provide them with all the tools necessary so that they can succeed at cybersecurity. And maybe the answer lies in other technology dipping in and making its way into the cybersecurity world. Um, you know, think of AI or machine learning being a core part of the future of the cybersecurity industry that covers a lot of the bases that could be automated. You know, even within this same podcast, we already talked about this when I was chatting with Ben Taylor from Ziff AI, you know, the whole article that we dissected was looking at how AI can provide very insightful data on potential risks and uh, potential danger within a home or a business setting. And all of that comes from machine learning. It comes from the computer doing the work for you. So maybe that same concept needs to be brought to the cybersecurity world and we instead power humans to do the more nuanced work. Um, and yes, we still need to give them training, but perhaps technology can step in to assist, right? I think that technology like AI and machine learning will help a new workforce sort of get the swing of things and lessen that learning curve. Mm -hmm. um, but you're obviously still going to need people that are going to continue to update those uh, softwares, those processes. So it's going to be a combination of the two. But right now, implementing technology, and it almost seems ironic to implement technology that's supposed to keep other technologies safe right. <laughs> when we have this shortage. But um, I do think those tools will be really necessary and will help sort of get this new workforce going. And uh, hopefully, as time goes on, you see a really good balance there between the human side of things and the machine learning that kind of keeps it going. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Jeff. Well, thanks for stepping in the studio and helping us break down this article. You can read the whole article along with some other supplemental information on market scale software and technology. The article is called How Can We Solve the Cybersecurity Crisis, written by Beth McGillrath. 
Jeff, thanks for breaking it down for us. And I don't mean dancing, though. I guess if you do want to break dance for us on the podcast, we're going to have to do a video stream, too. (laughs) I'll head to the studio right now. Yeah, perfect. All right. Thanks again for joining us, man. Of course. All right. Thank you to Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and to Jeff Short, our digital editor here at MarketScale for that conversation there, just about the hiring crisis that exists right now in the cybersecurity industry. That is all we have time for on this week's episode of the MarketScale Software and Technology Podcast. We do appreciate you listening very much. Just a heads up, I will actually be in Amsterdam next week reporting from Integrated Systems Europe, which is technically a pro-AV show, but there's just so much overlap nowadays between software and technology and pro-AV and lots of different industries that there's going to be some content that bleeds over. And so if you're interested in following some of that content, please head over to our pro-AV vertical page there on the MarketScale website. Click industries, go down to Pro AV. You'll be able to find a lot of content that is also applicable to software and technology next week while I'm in Amsterdam. So follow along with all of that there. You can also follow along with my journey at MarketScale on Instagram and Twitter as well. I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. We appreciate you listening very much. And we'll be back shortly with another episode of the MarketScale Software and Technology Podcast. But until then, have a good day and we'll talk again soon. Mm-hmm.